I am Sandy Ouellette. And I am Nancy Marie. Co-chairs of Beyond the Mass Committee to evaluate scholarly doctoral projects. Next deadline for work to be considered to present on Beyond the Mask is October 1. Please complete the one-page application found on Beyond the Mask webpage to be considered. We look forward to working with you. Today's episode of Beyond the Mask is presented by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. Get a free consultation today to be guided through the complexities of investing and financial planning. Just visit crnafinancialplanning.com. And don't forget, listening to our podcast can earn you Class B credits. For more information on how you can submit them, check out the CE Credit tab on our website, beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Welcome to Beyond the Mask, innovation and opportunities for CRNAs and advanced practice nurses with certified financial planner Jeremy Stanley and CRNA Sharon Pierce. Jeremy Stanley has worked with CRNAs for more than 23 years, and Sharon Pierce is a former president of the AANA and the NCANA. Join us as we leave the operating room and learn the latest in the CRNA and advanced practice nurse industries. Beyond the Mask starts in 10, 9, 8, 7. Hey there, this is Sharon. I am in Washington, D.C. at Mid-Year Assembly, and unfortunately, Jeremy couldn't join me here at the meeting. However, listeners, I have been joined by one of our new guest co-hosts, Tracy Castleman. Tracy's been a longtime friend of mine and is one of the group I affectionately call the Fab Four. Tracy, thank you for joining me. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself before we kick off our topic today? Well, thank you, Sharon. I am happy to be here again. (laughs) Um, I am Tracy Castleman. I'm a nurse anesthetist, and I've been practicing for a very long time in New Jersey. Since the earth was cooling, as Jan Satner (laughs) says. Again, I graduated from the Albany Med program probably when I was 12. Um, I was just, I was the smartest and youngest child in the class. Yes. Um, And I had the good fortune to work there doing trauma, anesthesia, and learning from some of the best CRNAs I've I've ever known, um, went on and moved down to New Jersey, where I've been practicing for a long time. And uh, I get to teach clinically, which I love. Um, Students from the Rutgers University program lead some DMP projects, completed my own DMP, finished that up in 2020, which, um, you know, disruption upon disruption. And I'm really happy to be here. Well, we're so glad you're here. So we have got two excellent guests here with us today that, you know, of course, I'm really looking forward to listening to. So Tracy, do you want to kick? No, she does not. She's shaking her head (laughs) at me. Um, Well, these two guests have joined us before episode 111, which I told Tracy to listen to. I did my homework. (laughs) You do better book reports than my husband does, right? Um, So anyway, why don't you start first, Sydney? Sure, absolutely. For the listeners, my name is Sydney Davis. I hail from Burbank, South Dakota, where I work full time as a nurse anesthetist in a critical access hospital. Uh, We do some general surgery and obstetrics there and uh, just love working in a small town and taking care of my friends and neighbors. And I also have the privilege of serving in the South Dakota legislature. I was recently elected as our state district 17 senator, and it's been just a really awesome experience and very interesting trying to balance my professional life, my home life in my work life. I'm a mother to two kids. I've got a six-year-old son and an almost two-year-old daughter. And it's just been a a fun ride and excited to see what the future holds. Thanks for having me here today. Ah, so glad you're here. And Taylor. Hi, I'm Taylor Rayfelt. I am a CRNA as well. Very proud to be a CRNA. Mm -hmm. I work for Mount Marty University. I'm the assistant program director, and I also handle the clinical phase of the program. So it's really fun to be able to watch students go through the process that we all went through at some point. It's been wonderful. 
also am a state representative. I serve in District 14, which is out of Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Sioux Falls is one of our more urban areas, which is kind of fun, a Dif- little bit different than Senator Davis's area. Uh, I have a lot more of the suburbia going on, and she has more of the rural area, which has been fun for us to work together on issues that matter to both of our communities. I also serve as the Assistant Majority Leader in the House of Representatives, which is a new leadership role for me. I've been serving in that capacity for about six months, I guess, is the more accurate term, but I'll be in that through um, 2024. And so that's been very fun. It's been a a great role and an even better way to emphasize our profession and get our name out there even more for the good old nurses and CRNAs. Now, both of you ladies are the first CRNAs that I know of that have been elected, right? I believe so, into the legislature. So. Yes, I believe I believe you're right. Um, now there, we've got quite a few losers now, including myself. <laughs> <laughs> not sure anybody else wants to hear you describing them that yeah, way. That's not those the, are your words. Yeah, I yeah, those are your words. We don't like that word. Yeah, we all learn from um, from what what has gone before but congratulations it's been we've been waiting for this moment for so long I just about jumped out of my skin whenever I heard about you two now y'all were friends before you ran correct we've been friends for a long time so actually Sydney knew my husband before I knew my husband I love these kinds of stories I know isn't that (laughs) kind of funny they went to nursing school (laughs) together and then we connected as baby ICU nurses at Avera in Sioux Falls and worked together there and then she went to school a year before me and then we connected back together once I went to school it was it's been really fun and we uh (laughs) people make fun of us we're roommates when we go to appear oh, sure. we stay with each other oh, we're kind of sure. like sisters yeah. is how I like to label it but it's been such a fun journey together yes I don't know if you have anything I, to add so I kind of no, stole the thunder on that no, one couldn't agree more <laughs> it's funny how um you know life works and paths cross and the people you meet and uh how doors open mm. and things come back together right for a reason one way or the other and so i uh, just couldn't be more excited and, and happy that we can kind of share this experience together work together on issues too which has been awesome um and uh just really accomplish some really good things so so i have a couple of questions mm-hmm. so taylor how did you wind up in this new role of leadership Well, that's a complicated answer, but I'll try my best. So our legislature, I would say, has gotten an influx of individuals that are in the category of age less than 45. That's probably an accurate... Yeah, my group of people. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, So there's been an appetite, I think, for some leadership changes within our house specifically, and um, I really <laughs> that's not happened at the national <laughs> level. <but> just saying. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. But it it really came down to that there were kind of a couple different groups of leaderships that were trying to move forward and make some positive changes, and I was an integral part of that group that was really trying to change our kind of philosophy of how we lead, which is by bringing people together rather than mm-hmm. creating divisiveness. Mm-hmm. And that really really resonates with people, and it's resonated not just with our caucus, but with, I would say, the entire state. I mean, we've had people come up to us and say, wow, there is a significant difference from this session comparative to the last four years and how things were run, and we just are appreciative of that. That's just nurses heal and fix. That's right. Yeah, and the nursing background is really a key to that in trying to collaborate, communicate, bring people together, care about people as a whole rather than just yourself. And I think people really crave that kind of leadership. So I'm proud to be a part of it. Did you lobby at all for the position or did you suddenly find yourself the front runner? Front runner. A little bit of both. Okay. So I would say I'm naturally inclined to step into leadership positions. Aren't most CRNAs? Yeah, Yeah. they are. That's right. And, you know, informal or formal, it doesn't necessarily matter to me specifically. But I would say that I also did lobby for it because it's important to be able to get your message across. But how I lobbied was different than how you'd think of lobbying. I really just concentrated on those relationships with my fellow legislators, which in the end I think is what really matters is that they can trust you and have that confidence in you as a leader. 
your word and, and people's ability, like you said, to trust is worth so much. Everything. For both of you. Now, I, I guess I get a sense. It was a good first question. I was going to ask, um, what was your reception? How did people receive women who were nurses in the when you stepped into your role? <laughs> uh, I'm seeing some looks here. <laughs> That's a good question. You know, I think for the most part, it was welcomed. And that doesn't say that there hasn't necessarily been obstacles or preconceived notions mm-hmm. where you kind of have to, for lack of better words, maybe prove them wrong a little bit, right? And in the grand scheme of our body of the legislature, we're young women and trying to move things forward, trying to be persuasive. Um, and it's certain individuals that just doesn't necessarily always go over very well, right? And I think for the most part, um, much like Taylor just alluded to, gaining that trust, recognition, and respect from your colleagues by just honestly, simply doing the right thing and doing a good job, being knowledgeable, being prepared. I don't know how else to explain it. You're explaining how we prove ourselves as CRNAs every day. Right. Absolutely. When you step into a new job, mm-hmm. you're not just welcomed. Mm-hmm. You have to prove your worth, right? We, right? we had to then too. And to get somebody as a student an old clinician, older clinician seasoned, right? That's okay. the word seasoned. Don't be saying clinician old in this room. <laughs> to do it different, right? Mm-hmm. In a way that they know works, you have to gain confidence. You have to prove it. You have to do your work. You have to show up, right? You have right. to be um, well, present and like earn the, your keep. The it's same the same principles thing. as people who are lobbying. Right. right. So you are still lobbying. You're just lobbying another legislator. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right? Versus, so both y'all ran in 2020. Correct. Correct. Okay. Mm-hmm. Did y'all know each other were going to run? I can't remember. Yes. Well, you ran first because it was part of your DMP and project, right? to Taylor. Taylor, they sorry. Can't they can't see, see Taylor because it was part of your DMP project? Well, moving forward with South Dakota's full practice authority was a part of my DNAP project. And so I had kind of created a strategic plan as right. part of my project. And then I was state president. And then Sydney was an integral mm-hmm. part of helping in that mm-hmm. process as well. So we both just got exposed to the legislature through our involvement with the state association and leadership there. And so that's really what propelled us forward. I think I, I had made the decision before Sydney had to run for office Although I didn't announce it, I don't believe, until after Sydney did, um, just because of some political things that were happening. But um, I encouraged Sydney to run. Yeah. We had many conversations we, about it. We had a lot of conversations. Um, I knew Taylor had decisively, was wanting, was planning on running. And my decision was probably very last, I don't want to say last minute, because it makes it sound like I made it on a whim. But I still put a lot of, obviously, mm-hmm. thought, heart, and effort into it. But... I'll never forget Taylor on the phone saying, all right, you're going to do this with me or what? And so um, I, it was a unique position for me. I, as Taylor mentioned, that exposure through our state organization, lobbying individuals um, for our state full practice authority um, act that we were working on. I was on the house floor um, lobbying individuals. And then I went back to our head lobbyist that was working for our, our uh association and I just told Jennifer I said I'm gonna run someday and she goes yeah you should and then it was probably another day or two later the two representatives from my district who were both going to be term limited um one was a Democrat one was Republican and they both came up to me and they're like you got to run now and I said now the petitions are due in like a month and they said well I don't know. I think the time's down. It's not very often you're going to have two open seats, no Mm. incumbent. Mm -hmm. And so that was probably what really weighed on me Mm -hmm. a lot, obviously, was the opportunity. And in the same breath, too, I would have never had the confidence or I think really the, the passion to have ran without that exposure of actually lobbying other legislators, getting to know them, the confidence of the process. And frankly, like, just realizing that legislators are just your they're just like you and me they put their pants on one leg at a time and that there's no specific set of qualifications other than you got to be a certain age and a state resident and live in your district that you represent that's really all it is and so 
Um, and in North Carolina, you can just have a trailer in the district. You don't really even have to live there. Uh, <laughs> I think that's important on both sides for wow. somebody who wants to run and somebody who's going in to meet with. Yes, absolutely. That there's, there's, except for both of your all offices, there's nothing magical going on no. inside behind mm-hmm. that door um, that you should be able to walk in. And your job as a constituent is to walk in, right? right. And to share <laughs> information. And I think that because I, I truthfully, I mean, it was just, it's so vivid because it really wasn't that long ago for me, right? That I was that lo- constituent lobbying and, and trying to get my my issue that I was so passionate about and very knowledgeable about and just those feelings of intimidation, right? And in stepping out of my comfort zone and then all those little baby steps, you know, just eventually lead to something. And I just, uh, I appreciate the experience and it's, I'm thankful that I did it and that it kind of happened as quickly as it did because to be honest with you I would have thought on it longer who knows what would have happened so <laughs> beyond the mask is made possible by the team at CRNA financial planning with almost two decades of experience the firm guides CRNAs through the complexities of investing and financial planning schedule a free consultation today by calling 855-304-3748 or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. Well, speaking of being an advocate, Taylor, tell me what has, what do CRNAs who are listening to this or registered nurses who are lis- listening to this need to know, what's the difference now that you're on the other side of that, this whole equation? Now you are the person that is being, where the advocacy is going to not you being the advocate. So tell us, you gave some pearls downstairs during your lecture. So yeah, well, I recognize the importance of relationships. So before I was a legislator, I didn't realize the time commitment and the amount of correspondence that you get, not just from constituents, but from lobbyist groups, from businesses, and everyone wants something from you. And everyone has the best way to do it and an idea of how to get there. And what I've noticed for myself personally is that if I have a relationship with somebody, I'm much more inclined to, number one, respect what they say, number two, trust what they say, and also be able to absorb that information much easier. Hmm. It's, it's very difficult when you receive this large influx of information to know what's right, what's wrong, what's truth, what's not, and we're sifting through that. And so the, imp- the important, most important part is the relationship. And so if I could encourage any state association, any CRNA, it would be to develop a relationship with your legislature and your legislator specifically that represents you because they want to hear from their constituents. I want to hear from my constituents. And I give more time to my constituents versus somebody else that doesn't live in my district. The other part is, you know, having respectful communication is always important. There's some people that email me and are incredibly rude. Mm. They're incredibly disrespectful. That doesn't surprise me, unfortunately. Yeah. And, you know, politics has gotten more divisive than ever. And we feel that on an everyday basis and it weighs on you. And so when people are rude or not respectful, I really don't acknowledge the email or even take into consideration what it says. And, you know, I don't think our profession is that way. I don't think nurses are in general. Um, But that would be another piece of advice is just to make sure that you're always respectful and remember that somebody's always listening if you are being disrespectful that's a good point Mm -hmm. have you got something to add to that Sydney yeah I I would echo a lot of what Taylor said um being on this side of it now I would say that I mean just the relationships are huge um we have a lot of demands on our time we're a constituent legislature so a lot of us are our session is relatively short so then we go back to our communities and we have full-time jobs and some people are retired obviously or something but I mean everybody's got lives outside of here and and the constituents that um, I do have relationships with or that do reach out to me frequently in respectful ways and uh, just or even sometimes it's a simple, hey, thanks for the sacrifice. Thanks for stepping up and serving us. You know, something simple and quick and easy like that is just sometimes enough to just keep you going. Because to be honest with you, it's 
it is it can be really negative you you're not pleasing everyone by any means and if you are pleasing everyone you're probably not doing Doing it right you're probably not doing it right anyways but you know that that weighs on a person too just knowing that you're always kind of upsetting somebody but being on the other side of it now you know message to those that are trying to you know be more effective advocates donating your time talents financial resources to candidates building relationships in any way possible um is just crucial i mean we we see a lot of people we meet a lot of people and so um you know being recognizable and uh, things like that are just will make you even more effective. Well, we're here, like we said, at Mid-Year Assembly in D.C., and we'll be going to the PAC event. I think it's tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. Tomorrow yep. night. So why don't you talk to us just a little bit, Taylor, about the importance of PACs and money, mother's milk of politics. I mean, it's an icky thing, but it's a necessary evil. Oh, it sure is. And money is what kind of makes the campaigns roll. And if you don't have money, you can't really have a campaign. They don't really go together or they go together. They don't really go apart. If you don't have enough money, you can't do things. So people need to understand too, the money is going toward getting your name out there. That's really the main thing that I think people don't realize is that it's not necessarily trying to make the candidate look good or get them on the news. It could be yard signs, billboards, really just things that people recognize that can make somebody get to know you as a person and to remember your name. And I I mentioned this downstairs, but 95% of people really don't invest the time to figure out every little issue that you care about and how you're going to vote on certain issues. Most of them just want to know that you care about them and their everyday lives and want their families to do well. But you have to get that message across somehow. People have to know that about you to vote about to vote for you. And in order to do that, you need to have the funding. So my area is more expensive than Sydney's just because I live in an urban area, which, you know, has its pros and cons. I would say, you know, I'm exposed every two years twice because I usually have a primary election and a general election that also increases cost though Mm. because I have to run an election twice each election year which is every two years Mm. and also as your time grows in legislature you become more time committed to things that you're working on as a legislator Mm. so I don't have the same time that I had when I ran in 2020 because I have my legislative responsibilities on top of running for office, which I've noticed is very challenging. So that's increased the amount of money that I need because I need more help to help me get things done, to door knock, to do the marketing pieces, all those things. But no one should underestimate the amount that it costs to do a campaign as it is incredibly expensive and a necessary evil. Sydney. Yeah, that's, there's not a whole lot more to say after Taylor there. And it's going to really vary. It's going to vary, you know, campaign costs are going to vary depending on the race, depending on the location, depending on the, you know, uh, a sheriff, a county sheriff versus a legislature, state legislature. And, and even like Taylor mentioned, her urban district versus my rural district, I, I don't have a billboard to even buy in my district. Mm-hmm. So that, that does, you the know, cows change would things. see it. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They would, they'd probably love it. So, um, you're really very pretty. I'm oh, sure they would love that. Thank you. <laughs> um, but you know, I, when you talk about kind of that icky feeling of the money and the politics and all that stuff, I, I want to just give the listener something, especially now being on this side of it. I would say that money certainly doesn't necessarily buy my vote. Mm-hmm. I would say, your campaign contribution ha- makes it more likely for me to say, answer hey, the phone. <laughs> answer the phone when you call. <laughs> and if you ask, hey, Sydney, can we can we chat or go out for coffee sometime? I'd be like, you know what, uh, Sharon, let's let, yes, let's go get let's go get coffee and let's talk about this issue that you're really passionate about. And and that's not to say that um, I have constituents that that don't donate to me that I still give plenty of time to as well. But I would say that that is what a lot of campaign contributions will will help with. They help get you noticed as a as a constituent, your advocacy, your your issues that you're important about. It kind of it kind of lends that um, 
the spotlight to you for a little bit and uh, doesn't necessarily buy my vote. I've had plenty of people donate to my campaign that I don't necessarily vote the way they want me to vote and and that's fine and that's just how it works too. But it's uh, it's a good way to be noticed and, and have your voice heard too. Hello everyone, Jeremy here. Beyond the Mask is sponsoring a team for Halos again this year. Halos is an organization that offered support when Sharon lost her grandchild, Emma, two years ago. Halos is a nonprofit that provides emotional and financial support to bereaved parents who have lost a child from miscarriage through age 20. It's run by parents who have lost a child themselves and want to be there for those parents that need love and support or someone who truly understands what they're going through. The only means of support for Halos is through fundraisers and personal donations. Their largest fundraiser is a walkathon, which will take place on August the 6th. Sharon will be emceeing the event. Please consider joining us and donating by going to the show notes to look for the link or by going to the Beyond the Mask Facebook page. Thank you for your consideration. You can find out more information about the 2023 Halos Walk and donate by clicking on the link in the show notes of today's episode on beyondthemaskpodcast.com. 13th Annual Memorial Walk takes place in New Richmond, Wisconsin on August 5th. Well, what about time? I know I was looking for people to, to, for lack of a better term, do some of the scut work, put up signs for me, make phone calls. Tracy was making phone calls for me from New Jersey, you know, didn't donate. I'm sure she donated to my campaign. She didn't have to donate to my campaign since I... Did you I also, donate to I don't, I'm sure I did. I donated <laughs> but, in kind. But That's correct We answer. donated in kind. <laughs> yeah, but I also did for my brother. When sure. he ran for state's attorney in, in Maryland, um, I would get oh, on. Awesome. And, and for anybody who is interested in helping these ladies, it is when the caller has a personal relationship to um, the, the candidate it changes the conversation yes, on the phone. Absolutely. Um, there was quite a few questions where one, a couple of them came out of left field and that wasn't in any of the literature, but the one woman had asked me a question and um, I'm not going to say what it was, but um, it, I finally just said, well, you know what? He's my brother and it's not in the literature, but I could tell you X, Y, and Z type of thing. She said, that's your brother? You're calling? <laughs> and we talked for another few minutes. And next thing you know, she said, well, I, if you're calling for him, I'm going to vote for him. And that was it. She didn't know him from, it was a first time running, like you guys, right. first time out of the gate. And there's something about a personal conversation. If you can't be really the one, is. you can't call everybody. So if anybody's listening and would like to help these ladies in their next reelection, yes. and I did it for my, my it. <laughs> I did an hour and evening, two hours and evening. And, and door knocking. Yes. It is hard. It I is. don't know. Well, y'all... You would have gone through another cycle now, so you would have done door knocking. Mm -hmm. You didn't in 2020, but that was one of the most fun things that I did. Mm -hmm. But to get other people to come and go door knock with me was like pulling teeth. Yeah, and people are very intimidated by it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'd always tell people that when they're nervous about door knocking is that it just takes five to 10 and then you kind of have your speech down and things get much more smooth as you go but it's an integral part of any campaign because people remember when you stop at their door Mm -hmm. and people feel valued and also you learn so much about the area that you're serving and how you can be a better whatever elected office you're going for it's hard to find people that give the time to do that but when I find them they're like gems and you never want to let them go. And um, what I found is really effective is trying to also partner with other people running for office, whether or not they're running for office that's higher than your office or a local office. If you can partner together and kind of split that up and each of you has volunteers, that's been really effective for me in my campaigning. Another thing that I did, which was kind of fun, is I created a different campaign to kind of give me some other motivation and some extra push to go door knocking. And I collected food mm-hmm. for our local food pantry. Oh, I pulled a, a little idea. wagon with me and I um, had a, it was called Together We Can. And then I had a, like a picture of a can and kind oh, of my branding on it. And so that was pretty fun. It was kind of a, a unique thing that 
I needed to kind of give me a little extra oomph. It gave you purpose and it gave, gave you a why yes. to knock on the door other than look at me. It did. I'm collecting yeah. a can too. I like that. Yeah. yeah, I do like that too. And so I plan to do it going forward as well and kind of just make it my thing um, that, oh, there's there's Taylor, you know, she, she collects can. food yeah. also and um, wants to. It's a great thing on all levels. Yeah, it yeah. helps people and it's why I'm doing what I'm I doing. I hope the um, South Dakota Association helps you with that and gets yeah. at their meeting that this around it's election a great time idea. Yeah. they can collect cans for you that and, would uh, be pretty cool yeah. i didn't think about that it's a good idea yeah i appreciate you bringing up the ability of of either donating your time or your talents because those are mm-hmm. two huge things and i think about when i first ran for office and you don't have a ton of money and um you're asking family and friends and it you know things like that i remember i had my a good friend create my logo for she was a graphic designer pro bono which was so sweet of leah and i had a a cousin do my website for me and you know shout out to maria thanks again for doing that too i mean those are huge kind of startup costs that you know i was thankful and i had another photographer friend you know give me a huge discount on on um headshots and things like that for my campaign materials and so you know looking within your yourself and what can you offer a candidate that you support do you have any of those talents do you know of anybody in that area that you know you can maybe give those that donation in kind or hook them up with a discount or something I mean this this can support can look so different right Mm -hmm. and so um and I love when Taylor told me about her together we can um thing I just thought you are pure genius that is it is I like it and it was just so well received and I was so proud of her for being so creative and and it was truly coming from uh just genuine I mean her genuine soul heart and just um trying to bring civility to politics back to politics politics too and I think you know uh how divisive things have gotten that uh it was just a good way to demonstrate like hey, we might not always agree, but, you know, I think we can agree, like, our fo- local food pantry can, can use that box of stovetop stuffing you got in your, you know, pantry. But Another so. way they can help you, which I also did for my brother, I don't live in Maryland, but that's where he ran, was on polling, on uh, voting day, vote, polling day, what mm-hmm. do you call it when you vote? Yeah. I stood with the sign oh, yeah, right yeah. out of one of the polling places, but my story there was the person who was sitting next to me with the, the first, we were the first two there, she was representing the current state's attorney, who my brother was running against, and she, who was the incumbent, and so this was the secretary in the office, one of the administrative assistants she had been for years, and she was very put offish when I was standing there, and you know, I, I said good morning, you know, standing, I'm standing there with a sign, I'm not going to be rude to anybody, and she had a phone call come in, and I could see she was really distressed, and she was getting the phone, she was trying to put someplace with her sign, I said, I'll hold your sign. And she looked at me and she goes, but you're holding that sign. I said, you clearly have something you need to do. Give me your sign. And it was her grandson had been in the playground and had fallen and broken a tooth and blood was every place. And her daughter was calling her and she was frantic. And you could see this poor woman was upset. And she came back and she said to me, why are you doing this? And I said, well, you were upset. And I said, yeah. we're holding signs. We're not, you know, this is, this is my brother. But then by the end, we were fast friends and my brother won. And her biggest thing was... Did she get to keep her job? She did. Ah! I love it. <laughs> she was afraid. This other, The incumbent had told everybody that he was going to come in and fire everybody. Oh. And she was terrified. She was 60 and a new widow. And oh. this was her benefits. And yeah. I said to him, I got her number in my phone and you will not fire her. And he goes, I'm oh. going to do what I want. And I said, I told him the whole story. I said, and... I am the older sister. Yeah, that is. <laughs> and I said, but she's also got institutional knowledge. You're going to keep her and she's going to be valuable because you didn't fire her. And... He mm-hmm. loved her. How neat. They were great friends. But again, civility. Mm-hmm. But somebody can stand and hold a sign, but do it with respect. Absolutely. I'm going to ask a different question because I know the campaign trail turns you on, Sharon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, it does and it doesn't, right? <laughs> were you, now, you worked with your DMP on trying to get legislative legislation through. And, and we all know in every state it's only a handful of CRNAs who really try and, and move the dial, right? Mm-hmm. It's a two-pronged question. Three parts. No, two prong. Uh, Our friend Carol Doisher. Always has three parts. Yes, from your your zone. Um, Moving legislation through, has it been harder, different? What have you learned about trying to get something from an idea to passing um, that you did not know and that you wish CRNAs knew? 
Like how, how can they help the process? There was two in there and I just lost what the other was. It's, I think I combined it into one. Were you very surprised? Did you learn more right. than you thought you were going to on how legislation actually happened? I, are you talking about like our efforts in South Dakota Anybody, or from our perspective from now your as a legislator? As a legislator now. and what you okay. wish CRNAs knew in order to... And what you wish you knew. Yes. What yeah. we wish we knew. Well, people underestimate how much work goes into getting a bill passed. Absolutely. And it's a ton of work and it takes every person's decision to get something passed. And the stakeholder involvement is much more than you would ever imagine, especially in contentious issues like full practice authority or things that are impacting people's professions or have a lot of money involved somewhere. You know, there's, there's some issues that have less money involved. What I mean by that is groups that have money or that have influence but when I came through this process within the South Dakota Association, I recognized the importance of having a very well thought out, put together plan with a strategic plan with a lot of different avenues and check boxes already checked before you try to go and pass legislation. I think some of the mistakes people make is bringing legislation that hasn't had the background work done. And what I mean by that is have you had the conversation with all of the interested parties? Have they given you input on what they believe are weaknesses and strengths of the bill? Is the language vetted in that way? And have you, what haven't you thought of? Yeah, almost like a SWOT analysis of your, that's what I'm hearing. Of, yeah, yeah. Of your I immediately saw idea. that. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't had that, you're probably not ready. And if you haven't had the relationships in place, you're, you're also probably not, not ready. ready. And I've watched colleagues do this, and they've time and time again ran the same bills and been unsuccessful because they just don't do that background work. They just think that this poof, grand idea is going to resonate with everyone like it resonates. Check. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, like it resonates with them. But, but the bottom line is it doesn't. An idea that's in my head isn't the same as how it fits into your head. Mm -hmm. And making sure that you can get that messaging across of why it's important and finding out how that issue can help somebody else in a different district with issues in their district and relating it to everybody is the easiest way to do that. But some people just don't do it and some people just don't know how. If you're going to the 2023 Annual Congress in Seattle, then listen up. This is your chance to see Jeremy and Sharon in person and attend a live podcast taping. And even better, get some CE credit out of the deal. Mark your calendars for Sunday, August 20th at 3.15 in the afternoon because Jeremy and Sharon will be conducting a live podcast taping at that 2023 AANA Annual Congress in the stunning city of Seattle, Washington. You are cordially invited to join this enlightening conversation. Their topic, they will always be listening, utilizing podcasts in your curriculum and personal life for continued learning. It's an event designed for students, professionals, and indeed anyone with a hunger for learning. They'll delve deep into how you can leverage podcasts as a powerful learning tool in your daily routine. But that's not all. By attending this live taping, you're not just gaining invaluable insights, you're also earning one Class A CE credit. It's a fantastic opportunity to learn, engage, and earn educational credits all at once. So don't forget, Sunday, August 20th at 3.15 at the AANA Annual Congress in Seattle. Be there for Beyond the Mask and go on this journey of learning together with Jeremy and Sharon. Looking back, because most states have been having this full practice authority battle and listening to you and what you just said, where are CRNAs falling short? I mean, we, we usually have all the work done. We've got the data. We're right. But, you know, right never does win the day. So how would, would CRNAs reposition themselves or because you know, North Carolina, we've been fighting this since 2005, and now we've held it off. But now we're in the 
offensive position trying to run a bill. And I mean, I understand what's happening behind the scenes and why that's not happening because the health care committee chair is the one that I ran against. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and he's a contractor and now health care committee chair. And uh, you two understand exactly oh, yeah. how that happened. Mm-hmm. But where CRNAs who are in battles at the state level, where are they missing this? Can I, this is what I think, but you tell me right or wrong. Because as, as a nurse anesthetist, we don't have conversations with decision makers. We talk amongst ourselves. We talk about other people at a different level, and we all gnash our teeth. We're not sitting in the office with the decision makers. That's going to be my thought, is they think that they have a coalition, but they haven't spoken to the right people. I would say that that's very accurate. And you know, I think every state is different. I think that's the, the key here as well, mm-hmm. is that every state's political circle and realms is almost like a different island. And I can't understand North Carolina Mm -hmm. like I should to be able to answer your question. But what I do know is that relationships always matter and who's sitting at the table always Mm -hmm. matters. And, you know, I mentioned this before, but you have to be able to be seen as a person that's sitting at the table as well. And so you can't just think you're sitting at the table because Mm -hmm. you're probably not if you just think you are. You have to have some sort of span of influence. And that's why I think it's so important that even at a local level and looking at your city and getting on a board within your city connects you to 10 other people that have some care about that issue. And maybe that person knows a legislator or knows your state senator And somehow connects that to make a connection for you to be able to tell your story a little bit better. Mm -hmm. And so the more leadership positions I think that CRNAs can get into in Mm -hmm. a general sense Mm -hmm. is the best. And I think in states where that's kind of a struggle, creating a plan to do that rather than kind of piecemealing it together is also very important. So one thing we did in our state is um, we separated out all of the districts And then I notified every single CRNA which district they were in. And I had a personal ask and a personal email chain going to them, asking them to engage and do X, Y, Z. Because we have a lot of unengaged individuals, but people that are willing to send an email Mm -hmm. or they're willing to give some money. And so engaging every little person in every little way that you can is super important. Um, But again, having that well laid out plan of attack is, I think, the best way to be successful. Yeah, the only thing I would add is, you know, something that we found some success in too in South Dakota was engaging kind of non-traditional stakeholders. Mm -hmm. Uh, Being a rural state and um, my husband and I, I grew up farming and ranching. My husband and I, we have a a cattle feedlot, feed yard, raising beef cattle, but we're also members of a lot of ag organizations and have a lot of ag connections. Well, South Dakota is a very rural state. Rural healthcare is incredibly important. We all know how important CRNAs are to rural access to healthcare. And so I engaged support from um, not just CRNAs out in the rural areas, from my farming and ranching community, friends and family in other districts where I knew we needed help with Senator so-and-so in that district that was down the fence or wouldn't really, couldn't give us a clear thought of where he was on the issue, right? And so I said, I'd call up my rancher buddy Joe and say, hey, Joe, you know, this is what, you know, I work this and this is what I'm working on and educated that person you know about that and they knew and trust me and so then they did that at followed through on that ask of sending an email to their their senator too and I I think we saw some some success that way as well and you know uh, the South Dakota Farm Bureau is a another coalition advocacy group they obviously will advocate more on ag issues but they also care about the health care of their members Mm -hmm. and so we got them to sign on as a advocacy group in favor of our legislation and when And now also being on this side of it, when you see a list of supporters or of groups or advocacy groups that are in favor of certain legislation, and and the list is long, and the list is, is, I would say, diverse, I mean, Mm -hmm. it helps solidify your confidence saying that many more people that have looked at this legislation and that think this is a good idea too. And so that... That helps. And so I, I think we saw some success with that. Mm-hmm. And um, in the same breath, I mean, just helped educate even more people about, hey, this is what a CRNA is and things of that nature. And I think the other thing I would add to is just being aware of other battles. Things that I hear from 
uh, fellow senators is that we're seeing scope of practice battles, not just in our profession, but in other professions as well. And there's some fatigue, mm-hmm. I think, that they're experiencing sure. from that as well. Um, just an example, uh, physician's assistants in South Dakota are seeking for oh. some... Independence? Independence. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. The yeah, animal they built is going to turn, right? Frankenstein's monster is going to well, turn on the... You know the... Uh, where the belly of that beast is right mm-hmm. north carolina mm-hmm. first ones came out of duke and mm. they created that program because those advanced practice nurses were getting too big for their britches oh boy <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> interesting <clears throat> so you know there's some fatigue from fellow colleagues that you know i wasn't aware of that on the advocate side right, right. you just and knew your issue yeah mm-hmm. we just knew our wish issue and yes you're a little in tune to like anticipate maybe what other legislation you might be seeing and competing with but um i think being aware of other battles which is always obviously challenging to know right mm-hmm. and how do you figure that out well through relationships through connections also i think another thing to think about is reaching out to those other healthcare associations like Who's, who's in charge of the physical therapists? Who, what other professions do CRNAs work with that value our services? And how can we either gain their support, mm-hmm. help them, they help us, things of that nature, right? Sure. And so um, I think that's, you know, being aware of some of those other battles, being aware of those non-traditional stakeholders that maybe aren't like get the forefront of your mind. I think those are ideas to um, be aware of because we, for example, like, so this physician assistant scope of practice bill, um, the sponsor has now brought it. It failed again for a second time and actually failed with even less votes than the first year. So I think it just, oh, third time. It's a third time. Oh gosh, my bad. Mm. Third time. Mm. So anyways, um, but I guess what it just even lends a further emphasis on having a strategic plan and maybe, and you know, like Taylor said, or I don't know, maybe you didn't mention, I mean, it was a three-year strategic plan that you had of engaging our fellow CRNAs throughout South Dakota, Mm -hmm. letting them know, educating them on, hey, this is why we need you to step up. This is why this is important. This is what happens if we can accomplish this, getting them fired up. And then, you know, in, in laying down that, that groundwork so that we made one run at it. We worked our butts off. We were strategic about it. Um, and we're successful because the more you kind of bring that over and over again, and then it's got this connotation of like, oh, that failed. La-, you know, no legislator is like, okay, well, you brought this bill for the third time now. What have you <coughs> changed? What improvements mm-hmm. have you made? Because, mm-hmm. well, it failed before. Right. So what, what, what's different now? And if you come and say, well, nothing, we still just want our way. Well, right. It, me as a senator, I'm, I'm not going to vote. I don't want to time. I'm, I don't want to jump on a sinking ship. Mm-hmm. So those are my thoughts on that. Mm-hmm. So, so as we wrap up here, um, Taylor, what are some lessons that you've learned that maybe you wish you would have known before you ran for office or went into office, even though I'd love to talk to y'all about campaigning. Tracy's right. So um, tell us some of the lessons that you've learned that you want to share with CRNAs that maybe you haven't touched on to this point. 95% of people don't care about politics as much as us that are engaged do. And again, those 95% just want you to be caring about them and their everyday life and know that you're a decent human, which thankfully we're nurses, the most trusted profession mm-hmm. in the world. But they just want to know that you're going to take care of them. And I think that that realization for me changed a lot of how I messaged myself and how I even approach being a legislator. I'd concentrate a lot on things that are influential on everyday life rather than things that are in the news or polarizing. And I think that that has gone well. Sydney does a really good job of that as well. And we really have, I think, gained respect also from our colleagues by doing that, by being people that really just care about other people. Mm -hmm. Um, The other lesson I would say is you'd be surprised how many people make decisions without all the information, which is why those relationships are so important because 
Sometimes somebody doesn't have the time or the energy or the capacity or chooses not to get all the information before they make a decision. And that's where those relationships come in, that you might be that last person that that person contacts before they make a vote. And if you are, that's great. And that's why those relationships really matter. But you have to be as somebody, and I know we're wrapping up, I've gotten one of those phone calls um, about concussions and who can release a child to... um, to back to Jim and it all the language said physician and we had developed a mm. relationship and they had called and asked is that right can NPs release and oh, so yeah. we and the bill changed the language changed at the last minute but you That's have to awesome. be available and you and what I did say was I believe so but I was I did the line I'm getting ready to step into the operating room let me call yes. you back and instead I reached out to our Nick Blank our legislative um executive director of legislation he's the crna i said what's what do i say how do i say it because you know you want to get it right so if you're going to make the relationship don't lie be just as trustworthy on the other side because you want your representative to look good when they right when they step up and they present and i think that's going to have value to you if the person who's come to you and given you information and you've pushed it forward Absolutely. If it's not truthful, you're never coming back to me again. That's a prime example of why that's important. Yeah. Tracy, thank you for bringing it up because <laughs> that is that is golden rule number one. Because in the same rule goes, applies to us when we're talking to lobbyists. If lobbyists sliced me one time, we're done. done. Yep. And, you know, they can obviously avoid saying certain things and some of them do that. I mean, they'll just tell you certain things. They don't maybe Air tell you everything. Mm-hmm. But... If you straight up just lie, we're, we're done. Up. Or make it up. Done. I, I'm done. Mm-hmm. I don't have yeah. time for that. We don't have staff in South Dakota, you know, or this lean, mean, you know, <laughs> <laughs> regis- <laughs> Republican majority state. And so there's just, yeah, it's this very lean government. But that brings me to, to talk a little bit more, or I guess to end things to that good legislation in good relationships happen outside of session. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. in in session in every state looks different, right? Some states run really long or half the year, or maybe they go all year long. I don't know. But ours does. (laughs) In South Dakota, ours is very short. So, um, or one of the shorter ones we run January to to March. And so um, for your first, to try to build a relationship with me in that timeframe, it's not happening. It's not happening. Because you're busy. Way yeah. too busy. And you might come and visit me at the Capitol. And gosh darn it, I appreciate you driving because I'm one of the furthest. I'm in the southern, southern, very tip of South Dakota. So if you come all that way, I don't get constituents very often because it's a four-hour drive. So I love it when I see them. And I try to dote on them as much as I can. But it's it's going to be very lucky if I remember your name back home. Um, just because I'm inundated with, with folks all the time in in numerous faces every day so when I do get home this summer or this fall you know reaching out to me stopping me at the grocery store or something along those lines is going to be a lot more impactful and powerful and the other thing I want to leave with is that um you know don't underestimate the power of just even saying thank you to your legislators whether whether you agree with them all the time or none of the time um public services is truly service um Mm -hmm. and i'm not saying this because like i want to be thanked more i just would say that there are a lot of days that we feel really beat up and want to be appreciated and broken just like giving anesthesia at the end of the day yeah you know anesthesia is always getting ran (laughs) over by the bus you know we're always thrown under the bus it's so impactful and happens very it gives you energy to come back and do it again yeah and want to be there right yeah sure does you don't want to be accosted in the grocery store do you by people who say by the way hi i'm tracy castleman i want to tell you my issue (laughs) i actually don't mind oh i really (laughs) this would be tracy i would love it if you like just like taylor said i would love it if you felt comfortable enough to approach me in the in the grocery but i would ask the best way to do that would be say, hi, I believe you're Senator Davis, right? And I'd be like, because this has happened to me before. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, yes, I am. And I look disheveled. I'm like in total mom mode, right? <laughs> and um, they're like, well, I'd love to, you know, thank you for what, it was actually a thank you. It was just mm-hmm. like, thank you so much for what you're doing. You're doing a great job. And I'm like, oh, thank you. Um, but, you know, if you do have an issue, 
just say, hey, would it be, could we visit sometime? Yeah, absolutely, Tracy. What's your phone number? And I would honestly, this is what I would do. I would say, what's your phone number? Let's exchange numbers right now and let's text and find a day late, you know, later tonight or whenever you look at, I'll look at my calendar and let you know some availability. And I bet if I show up at three of your fundraisers, you're going to remember me. Yeah. 100%. Oh gosh. Yeah, absolutely. That's and that's what the CRNAs need to do. Absolutely. Yes. Show um, up at your local fundraisers. Yes. Well, and, you know, and even just events. Yeah. Even that's like what I mean. Yeah. Those talking events where people show up and just tell you about what a session update. It's a great place to do that too, where, you know, you just get to see somebody on a low pressure environment. Yeah. But you bring Absolutely. up a point about all the faces you see. Even whenever I run into legislators I've known, I always go up and I go, I'm, I'm Sharon Pearson with the nurse. And that's that just because sometimes if somebody is not where you think they're mm. supposed to be, yes. right. it just might take you a minute. And I don't want them to feel off-put mm -hmm. about that, which, by the way, John Edwards always knew who I was wherever <laughs> yeah. I saw him. Yeah, he was in uh, uh, the airport in California. And now we know why he was there. He had his girlfriend there. But <laughs> I, he saw me in the airport. And yeah. I walked up to him. Hi, Sharon. It's good to see you again. I'm like, how does he do that? That's great. Mm. That's, yeah, but yeah. I couldn't do that. I love it. I love people that yeah. can do that. I'm not one of no, those. No, I couldn't do that either. Yeah, I struggle. I struggle with names. So yes, if you yeah. wouldn't, if you like remind me, oh, I'm, you know, right. I know we met before. I'm so-and-so from the, yes. from the nurse anesthetist. Oh gosh, I thank you. Thank you for that. not making me feel like, like a, I don't know who like you are. I, I, or I hate, that's the worst when you recognize somebody's <sighs> face and you can't think yes. of their It's the names. worst. It's the worst. And Hey, girl. So yes. good to see. Of course, I was on an airplane, and uh, Senator Burr, con my congressional uh, uh, senator, was beside of me. And I waited, and nobody recognized him. Everybody was filing by really? him on the plane. He was back in coach, you know, yeah. schlepping with the rest of us. <laughs> and so I, after everybody sat down, I just leaned over really quietly, and I go, Senator. Burr, Sharon Pierce with the nurse anesthetist. <laughs> so good to see you. Thank you for everything. I had actually worked with him more with diabetes issues. Oh, um, but, you know, he was great. But I was shot. Nobody. 95%, I guess, just like sure, you, you are. It doesn't yep. turn everybody on. Well, I would like to say thank you to both of you for Absolutely. doing what you do. Because it's not easy. I know in helping my brother run several times, um, the amount of energy, time, focus. You have small children at home coming home yeah um, and <laughs> teaching and providing anesthesia so yeah. um, although I am not in South Dakota I really do appreciate uh, smart strong women who are nurses representing your state so thank you thank you, you. Oh, needs a lot so much and thank you for sitting at the table and at the head of the table, no less, <laughs> Taylor. So proud of you ladies. I'm so Thank glad y'all were the first. It's an honor, really. I mean, we love it. So yeah, that's absolutely. been great. Couldn't agree more. It's, it's, Can't wait thank you we're for sitting, having us here. When we're sitting down with them in our little headsets and they're sitting in the White House because that's where they're going to be next. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, not the truth. Just remember our cool. names. Put us on. That's right. Us, help us. We'll introduce <laughs> ourselves. Hi, I'm Tracy Castleman <laughs> yeah, with the it. Nurse Anesthetist. <laughs> that's it. We'll that's get you it. guys like a proclamation. We, we, we proclaim <laughs> yes. some week or some day, Sharon Pierce and Tracy Castleman day, day. or something. Oh, you're <laughs> like, Jeremy, you were not invited. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So I think it's a wrap, but thanks for listening to Beyond the Mass with the absent Jeremy Stanley, myself, Sharon Pierce, and guest co-hosts. Tracy Castleman. Did you forget your name? No, but for I a don't have it there? in front of me. Go ahead. <laughs> if you like our show and want to help us grow, what's the best way to help us grow, Tracy? The best way to help us is to like the show, share it on social media. Tell your friends how much you love Tracy on the show <laughs> and leave a review, but make it positive. Because as Jeremy always says, there's enough negativity in the world. Beyond the Mask is in the top 50 medical podcasts <laughs> in the country, woo-woo, and number one in the CRNA community. <laughs> you guys are awesome. Yes, oh, we are. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to all of our listeners. Until the next time. Today's show is brought to you by the folks at CRNA Financial Planning. 
an independent consulting firm that offers financial planning services exclusively to CRNAs and their families. From planning for a child's future college expenses to building a predictable income stream in retirement, the firm is committed to offering you comprehensive financial services, customized to fit your unique needs and objectives. If you have questions about your financial future, get them answered. Call the team at 855-304-3748. That's 855-304-3748. Or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. Hi, this is Jackie Rolls, President of the International Federation of Nurse Anesthetists and President and Founder of Our Hearts, Your Hands, a global anesthesia support community that takes donations to allow nurse anesthetists in low and middle income countries to go to educational programs, buy equipment or textbooks. Your donations are tax deductible and we would appreciate your support. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you like to listen to shows. Also, be sure to check out beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Each episode is posted there with a corresponding blog post, and we timestamp important parts of the episode to help you quickly get to the content you're looking for. Also, check out the special series section on the site. You can follow along and catch up on the CRNA History Series, episodes specifically about political conversations in the industry, or try the CRNA Personal Finance Series. It's all on beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And if you have a question for the show or want to be a guest or even suggest a particular topic, fill out the contact form on the site or send an email directly to us at info at beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And lastly, let's take the conversation social. Check out our Beyond the Mask podcast Facebook page and Facebook group.